Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, cats and dogs, and all those mice who look at flying bats with envy. It's Thursday at 3 o'clock and it's time for Tea with BVP. Hey everybody out there, I'm your host BVP, aka Bill Van Patten, international superstar and diva of SLA. Here we are live from the second floor of Wells Hall on the Michigan State University campus in beautiful and today sunny East Lansing, Michigan. I was excited about the weather today, you know? I, maybe it's because it's going to be my birthday tomorrow, and so the, weather's, uh, <laughs> the weather is cooperating, although tomorrow's probably going to rain. Who knows? We'll see what happens. But anyway, with me in the studio, here are Walter Hopkins and Angelica Kramer. Say hi, you two. Hello, everybody. Hello, it's Zaman. Zaman, what's, what's, what's... Together. Oh, together. Look at that. So happy together. Who's, do you remember who sang that song? I don't. Okay, well, I'm not going to tell you. You know, it's going to be 51 degrees tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow. I know. On your birthday. I know. I know. I'm going to have to run around in shorts tomorrow. It'll be fun. I like it. Yeah. You know me, once once it gets up freezing, the shorts come on. You know, so 33 degrees, the shorts come on. I would have worn shorts today, except that I taught, so... Would have been a little shock <laughs> for my students. Come on, you've presented in shorts. I'm sure you've taught in shorts before too. Yeah, it's different though. I can present in shorts. People expect that kind of stuff at a conference out of me, you know. But my students, I have to ease them into it. They just, oh, you know, mm, yeah, yeah, probably yeah, a I good do. idea. I do. Yeah, exactly. So, Angelica, it was Valentine's Day on Sunday. Did you go target shooting like you said you were going to? We did not. <gasps> what? I know, no right? Cupids. No, Nate's back wasn't so good. So we're going to go this weekend. Oh, his back wasn't so good. What'd you do to him? You made him lift something heavy? <laughs> yes. Not you because you're as slim as a <laughs> string bean. So what'd you do? Make him get up on a ladder and do something or what? <laughs> no, this is this is a herniated disc he's been dealing with for years. Oh, poor guy. Yeah. So what'd you wind up doing instead? Nothing. Nothing? Yeah. Just sat around? Yeah. Oh, God. It's worse, worse than my weekend. <laughs> what did my, you do? N- nothing, of course, but I had nothing, nobody to do nothing with, and so <laughs> that's why I did nothing. So, oh, well. Well, in case you need a reminder, it is my birthday this week. <laughs> oh, I already said that, didn't I? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah. tomorrow I love you. Tomorrow. And you love today. me today. Yeah. And today. Yeah. And love every day. Love me two time, babe. Yes. Yes, it is my birthday out there, crowd, so no presents, please. If you want to send me a nice email, that's fine. Um, but yeah, so, God, but you know, I had that point where I just don't want to celebrate birthdays anymore. You know what I'm saying? It's like if I, I'm just, I used to be so excited about, remember when I first got here, Walter, like my entire month of February would be a birthday month. Mm-hmm. And when I was young, I used to do this with people. I would tell them on February 1st, and every day I would tell them it was my birthday month and do things and I'd have activities and so on. Now it's like, Oh, dang, another birthday. Mm-hmm. Damn. Yeah, my son's birthday is in July, and when he was three turning four, he started telling people in January, I'm going to get four soon. Mm. He used to say that all the mm-hmm. time. I'm going to get four soon. And he's like, yeah, we're still six months away here, buddy. So for six months, he was telling people, I'm going to get four soon. Well, I'm not telling you what I'm getting tomorrow. So <laughs> just keep I think we should have a contest. What do you think, Angelica? People guess uh, guess BVP's age. No, how old are you? Anybody call if anybody calls in and tries to guess my age. Maybe just put it on Mixler and I'll tell you if you're right. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Not a day over twenty nine. No, no, no. no, no. That is not going to happen if you value your job, (laughs) (laughs) Walter. That is not going to happen. Well, great. So they can tell me because you have no jurisdiction over me. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) We'll see about that. Oh, sh- <laughs> Mikey. My, my Glock 9mm says otherwise. Oh. I guess. 
Never mind. Them. I'm just kidding. I do not believe in guns in the household. I'm I'm grew up Latina. We have knives, so <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. We never had a, a, any kind of family gathering growing up without some kind of outbreak and a knife pulled out. Weddings, funerals, family reunions—you name it—it it happened. My sister and I still laugh about this. We have conversations every week on the phone, well, every other night on the phone, and we laugh about some of those episodes. Anyway, I mean, it's probably not funny to people out there, but it, you know, when you come from a Latino background, it's kind of funny to some of the things that we grew up with. It just was, you know, that was back in the old days, too. And you, we grew up in the barrio, so it was different. But anyway, so um, I am um, going to make an announcement because we have a winner. We have a winner? We not have a someone winner. guessed your age? Not a wiener, a winner. <laughs> we have, well, maybe the winner's a wiener. I don't know. I don't think so. Um, but we have. <laughs> No, no, I'm just kidding. No, we have a winner. We have a 1,111th subscriber. Congratulations. You said it correct without any problem. I know. I've been practicing. Nice. Who says repetition and correction don't work? We'll get to that <laughs> later. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, anyway, we do. We, are, we have subscriber number 1111. Our 1,111th subscriber is Dennis Maloney, as in our... Our favorite um, uh, uh, studio manager here, Jeff Maloney. It's Dennis Maloney. No relation, though. No relation. And who actually resides in, guess where, Angelica? Well, I know where, so I can't really well, guess. Well, then tell them, then. Don't, don't just say it. In Ecuador. Yeah, in Guayaquil, Ecuador. Um, so Dennis is going to get a very, very nice um, Tea with BVP prize um, sent to him this week. And so do we send a prize to someone who encouraged him to sign up? Or do we just not know if someone we encouraged need, him? Yeah, we, we, need, we need to find out. We need to find out about that. So if you encouraged him, yeah, well, let us you, know. If you encouraged Dennis and, and you, were, you were in codes with him to sign up, then you should partake in that prize too. Let us know. But we also want Dennis, when he gets his prize, he has to take a selfie with his prize and put it up. If he doesn't, if he doesn't tweet, he can just send it to our um, email account, twithbvp at gmail.com. And then uh, Luca will put that up on Twitter and other kinds of places so we can see um, Dennis Maloney with his tea with BVP swag. Yeah. Swag. So. But he needs to take it in front of something cool in, in Ecuador. Like what? I don't know. Take it in front of some beautiful looking bridge or I don't know, something something nice in Ecuador so we can experience Dennis in Ecuador. How about the Galapagos Islands? Okay. Sure. That's part of Ecuador. <laughs> okay, so so that's your job, Dennis. You gotta fly to the Galapagos Islands after you get your <laughs> present. Take a selfie of yourself with a tortoise or a lizard iguana, something, I don't know, and then then Walter will be happy, okay? <laughs> well, yeah. Okay. We also have a notification from Luca who says keep an eye out on Twitter again for another surprise tomorrow. I have no idea what he does on Twitter. I don't know what Luca does with all these things. I have to start reading all the little tweets and stuff. Actually, I do read some of them, but um, Luca's got something up his sleeve again, so be on the lookout for that. Do we have any hints on what it might be? Do you know what it was last time? What he put up last time? So, I I, you know, I, I... I don't tweet. Well, you need you need to. I sometimes will read our tweet. tweet you know, oh, Twitter you know page. what it was last time? Last time it was a reading. He put a reading up. Oh, that's right. That's he put a reading up. He's actually it's testing. He's testing our audience to see if they can actually read. That's what it is. And then <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. So <laughs> be careful out there. You know, Lucas. Lucas 
actually getting his PhD in, in, in social awareness and he's doing things to find out if he, if, how people <laughs> actually do things. No, I'm just kidding. He's not doing that. He just does it because he loves you all and he wants to ha- give you things to look at. And actually put up our, our, our article. Do you know that? Which, oh, the, the can-do statements article. We could do that. That's, no, that's what he put up this last Oh, that's time. what he put up? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. That was a good one. I like that one. That was fun doing that. All right. Um, <clears throat> we have a new topic this week. Oh, my God. I just got a frog in my throat. My students and I were watching a segment of Pan's Labyrinth today in my class where she, where the protagonist meets the, the toad under the, uh, under the, the tree. <clears throat> and ever since then, I had a frog in my throat, which I don't know. Maybe it's just the power <laughs> of suggestion. I don't know. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> maybe it's just that Las Vegas throat. You know, when it gets the air gets dry, you start talking like this. Anyway, we have a new topic this week. The topic is, what is the role of feedback in language acquisition and teaching? So what is the role of feedback in language acquisition and teaching? And in particular, do we need to correct students? What is the role of correction in all of this? So if you want to get in on that conversation, please call us at 517 517- Eight eight four four three two one. Again, that's five one seven eight eight four four three two one. Again, as usual, Dustin DeFelice is on the phone lines, waiting for you to ring in. Please, he gets lonely over there in the corner by that phone. So if you don't call in, he's gonna like cry. And I don't. I just. I've run out of Kleenex for him. So call, <laughs> call and keep Dustin happy. You can also tweet us at T with BVP or or even email us during the show at T with BVP. <clears throat> at gmail.com or if you're on uh, Mixler um, doing all that interactive stuff while you're listening online uh, Angelica will look at those but we prefer for you to call in why Walter why do we prefer for people to call in because we are a live call in talk show thank you and you know otherwise it's just me and Angelica here listening to Walter the whole time right Angelica <laughs> right. yeah indeed yeah indeed. we need we need other people to call yeah. in because yeah. yeah okay so call in again the phone number is 517 517- 884-4321. And don't forget our quizzes. Remember, we have two quizzes now, and you get your choice. You can take the SLA Challenge Quiz, or you can opt for the Diva Challenge Quiz. And by now, if you're our standard or regular listener, you know what those are. One is actually about second language acquisition. The other is about what, Angelica? Divas! Divas, Woo-hoo! yes. So it's more like a pop culture quiz. We just do that for fun. <clears throat> because we know some of you are scared of the SLA Challenge Quiz, although you shouldn't be. Um, so some lucky call-in person can take a stab at either one of those quizzes and win a wonderful Tea with BVP prize. So call in, and when you talk to Dustin, say, Hey, Dustin, I'm going to take a that SLA Challenger quiz, right? Or and I'm going to take a the Diva quiz. Exactly like that. Say it like that. I'm going to... I saw the funniest video on YouTube. Did you guys see that one where that, that guy's trying to teach his Italian grandmother to use... Siri on the iPhone. No. Oh, no. I was rolling. It is so funny. So, so he's teaching her. She goes, "Oh, who's this? A Siri on the phone?" <laughs> and he goes, "No, mom. You just tell her what you want." And and then she helps you with something. She goes. She starts talking. She goes, "Dear Siri, I need to find a particular pasta." <laughs> yeah. was, oh, I was rolling. So, you guys have to look for this. So funny. So cute. So cute. All right, so, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so anyway, so here's our topic again for the week. What is the role of feedback in language acquisition and teaching? Do we need to correct students? And I'm going to touch on a few nerves by my opening comments here, and I think the phones are already ringing, so let me get through this real quick, and then we'll get to the phones. Um, feedback is a very widely researched topic, as I think everybody knows. There are overviews on feedback in almost every handbook or textbook related to second language acquisition or language teaching. 
Um, and there are basically three positions on this topic, that feedback is either necessary, feedback is beneficial, but not necessary, or feedback is basically useless, it doesn't do much. And like many areas of second language research, trying to determine which of these positions actually has the most support is difficult, um, given fundamental problems with research design and especially how we measure the impact of feedback on acquisition. Because that question of what is the role of feedback in acquisition implies that we have some way of measuring that role. And that's a difficult thing. And in my world, what you'll have to remember is how I define acquisition and how I define language. So that informs how I approach this. So I'm gonna depart from some of my colleagues out there who suggest that the research tends to fall on the side of feedback being beneficial. And I'm gonna say that I think that's an overstatement. I'm not, I'm not inclined to say it's so beneficial. I'm not inclined to say it isn't completely. Um, but I, I don't want us to overstate the case of it being beneficial. So when you call in, I will tell you why I think that and then clarify my, my ideas for you. Um, uh, but again, remember, how you choose to define whether something is beneficial depends on how you define language, how you define communication, and how you define acquisition. Um, okay, I think we have somebody on the phone already calling in. Uh, we have Angie from the great state of Bernie Sanders. Is that correct, Angie? That's correct. Hey, Angie, how are you doing today? I'm good, thanks. And you are calling from Vermont, correct? Yes, I am. So how's life yes. in Vermont these days? It's great. Yeah? Especially because we're on break from school this week, so I oh, can finally nice. listen to you live. Oh, my gosh. You are, this is an early break. When did you start the, the term this spring when did, or back in January? When uh, it was late January when our new semester began. And you're already on break? Yeah, we have a February. We have a week in February, and then we have a week in April. Ooh, I like you. I like your school. <laughs> can I come teach with you? Yeah, come on over. Oh, <laughs> I love it. So what's on your mind, Angie? What do you want to talk about? By the way, well, you're not I'm the, gonna, you're not the Angie from Angie's List, are you? And then I w was also interested in, in taking the SLA quiz, so I don't know if I can do both. Well, we might let you do that. <laughs> what we might do, though, is let some other people call in the meantime, and then um, Dustin can call you back if you're going to be around, or you can call us back um, for okay. the SLA quiz. Is that, that okay, Dustin, if we do that? Yeah, Dustin's giving me the thumbs up, so that's what we'll do. So let's, let's talk about what you want to talk about, and then we'll deal with the SLA quiz a little bit later in the show. How's that? All right, yeah. So don't hang, don't don't go away later. Stay by your phone. Okay. Okay. So what do you want to talk no, about, Angie? And and did you hear my question earlier? By the way, before you ask your question, um, I don't remember. Are you the Angie from Angie's List? I just want to make sure. Because <laughs> I because no, I use your service all the time. It's wonderful. <laughs> I've been a member for for like five years now, and and it's really been helpful when I try to find things. I don't. Yeah, I don't know if she teaches high school, but. Okay. Well, you never know. Okay. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, okay, so Angie, go ahead. So what's, what's right. your comment? What's your question? Well, I mean, I definitely do not tend to do a lot of corrective feedback um, in the moment, you know, when I'm having conversations with students and also in their writing. Yes. And one of, but I definitely respond to their errors or whatever you want to call them because I notice what they're doing and then I try to, sort of front-load input with those things just to see if that helps, you know, bring them around. 
So if I understand you correctly, Angie, what you're saying is you make a mental note of what they're doing, and then you bring things back into what you do so that they have more exemplars in yeah, the language like they're I, supposed to. If I if they do a free write for ten minutes or something, and then I'm reading them all and I'm noticing, oh, they're all saying I S instead of just I, you know, for Spanish there is right, right. Then you know, maybe I'll do a bunch of readings and highlight that and maybe mention it during a reading that we're doing or, I don't know, just, I keep it in mind, in my instruction. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but what happens, and this is kind of a question about, like, politics with other teachers, because I noticed that in our department meetings, when people get really like we're we're trying to build rubrics and stuff now for proficiency-based grading, and there's a lot of discussion about this kind of thing. And I kind of put in my two cents about, well, we don't really know if all of this correcting is actually helping, so why why spend all our time with it? And there's this kind of feeling as if I'm going to be sending these shoddily prepared students off into the next levels. And... I don't know, I don't, it doesn't feel that way, you know, I don't know how to sort of respond to the teachers that feel like if we don't correct everything, we're not really doing our jobs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also that we're not showing the students that it's important to be thoughtful and correct in our speech and writing. Mm-hmm. Well, just as communicators. Let, let's separate out speech from writing for a minute because writing as composition is a different kind of skill set and you have time. You know, as Krashen would say, you could monitor more and you can reflect. You can go, after you've written, you can go back and self-correct if you, if you, know, what, you know how to self-correct. And you, can get, mm-hmm. and you can apply the feedback at that point because it's a slow down process with a completely different purpose from speaking, right? Yeah. Um, and and the, so the processes and the knowledge sources you can tap and do things with writing are a little bit different. So let's just put that aside for a minute. Let's talk about speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, the research out there, uh, Angie, again, as I said earlier at the top of the show, is that it's suggestive that that feedback in the form of not explicit correction, you know, not stopping them and saying, no, don't say this, say it this way, but that kind of interactive feedback. Well, let's say you say something that's non-native like and I go and I repeat what you say but in a native like fashion to let you know that I understood what you said and I, I go uh-huh keep going you know so right, that is, yeah. it's just part of natural communication you know the, the yeah. way we do things um, the, I like how you put that non-native like yeah non-native like because um, I'm always trying to find the right wording for this stuff right that's what it is we're doing instead of an error or a mistake it's, it's not a non-native like communication exactly because if, if you go back to a earlier episode I've already talked about the fact that I don't believe there are errors and so this is kind of yeah, related yeah, to that topic no. so but I never know what to say instead yeah so non-native so they do something non-native like uh, mm-hmm. from, from a non-native grammar uh, that's in their heads yeah. so anyway and so so, um, so the research is suggestive that it's potentially beneficial. B- the problem with the research is, is that it, there is very, very little research that actually measures the impact on acquisition itself. That is, is something underlying in the grammar fundamentally changing because of the feedback? And uh-huh. so what we see in the, in the research is, um, and maybe somebody will call in and correct me on this because it's not my field. I, I've had to read about it. Um, so maybe somebody who's an expert in feedback will call in and correct me on this. I did, by the way, audience out there, try to get somebody to 
to interview today on the phone for like five or ten minutes just to get a few things straight. Um, but he was he a, a international expert on this, but he was unable to to be available today. So anyway, um, so my reading of the research is is that a lot of it, uh, the measurement is what's called uptake, which is and in a moment that the learner basically copies the feedback into his or her utterance and then it keeps going. Mm-hmm. Um, so uptake is distinguished from intake in the sense that we don't even know if it's gone into the grammar, gone into the learner's head. The learner's just repeating at that point in time what you just said as part of your feedback. And so mm-hmm. that's why it's called uptake. And there's no measurement that I know of of uptake actually impacting that internal grammar, that internal linguistic system. So... Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then there, there's, there's a little bit of research out there, not very much, a little bit of research that tries to look at a pretest, post-test format where you the give what? them a pretest, post-test format where you give them uh, a, a test on what they know about, let's say, this grammat- like past tense form or something. And then you give them interaction and feedback on past tense forms during the interactions, oral interactions, and then you give them a post-test to see if they're better with the past tense form after the interaction, right? Mm-hmm. And there is some research that suggests that, 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 you, um, that there's some improvement from the pre-test to the post-test phase. The problem is, is that there's no research that shows that a month or three months later that there's any difference. It's only that immediate post-test, and we all know that there's a problem with that in the research, and in instructed second language acquisition, so we tend not to like those kind of results too much to, to, mm-hmm. to extrapolate from. So that, that's why I say I'm, I think that the research might be overstating a little bit if we try to say it's beneficial. Um, I think we need we that need seems to. That's so obvious, though. Why would any research count that? Yeah, well, you know, it, people do, and so um, anyway. So my point in telling you this is that I think you're on the right track, and um, that what you're colleagues need to understand is how it is that oh, oh, one, one thing about the research too is it's always that focus feedback on one thing during a, during a, during the research and it's always in a laboratory setting but as you know as a teacher when you're in a classroom and you're interacting with 25 30 students they're doing all different kinds of things so angelica mm-hmm. might say one thing interact with angelica and i repeat something back to her so that she hears the correct thing as part of the feedback, and Walter does something completely different, and then Dustin does something completely different. So in the period of a classroom, I'm interacting with 30 students, and I'm giving feedback on 50 different things. And so that's not very focused feedback, like it is right. in laboratory settings. And so the laboratory setting doesn't always transfer well to the practicality of the classroom either. So, um, so I think what I would, what I would um, say to you is that I don't know if you can convince your colleagues other than to get them to maybe look at some of the research and and I can suggest some things to you off the air if you want or maybe when you later if you call back in for this like we can talk more about that but um, you're not doing anything that's going to jeopardize them on the oral abilities and on their underlying grammar in the long run by what you do Angie I think what you're doing is probably just fine um, now the writing stuff is different, so I, I, I can't speak to that because it's not, it's not clear to me. Um, Charlene was here last week on talking about um, is, is one language harder than another, more difficult than another. Yeah. She's, she's also an expert on writing. And oh. um, yeah, she's done a lot of research on that, and um, she's, a, a just, she's just phenomenal when it comes to that. And she could answer this question better or address this topic better than I could, but my sense is that there's not overwhelmingly strong evidence that feedback in writing 
on grammar makes a difference in the long run. It does make a difference on discourse structure, vocabulary choice, all those things that are salient to learners for, for communication, but not so much on the grammatical stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I, I, I could be wrong, but that's, that's my sense of that research. So, um, so it's not clear to me that even if we were to, to switch gears now and talk about writing and composition, that you're prejudicing your students against being better in, in, in the later, um, what do you call it, later levels. Mm-hmm. And I, I think what you co- your colleagues and you all need to do, like a lot of us, I always talk about this, is to everybody sit down and establish goals. What are my goals for the first year? What are my goals? What are our goals for the second year? What are our goals for the third year? In terms of these oral abilities and so on, using ap- actual proficiency guidelines or some other metric, mm-hmm. um, so that we're not talking past each other. Because maybe your colleagues, what they what they want them to be prepared for at the higher levels has nothing to do with what you're concerned about at the lower levels. Right. And so uh, that's and just. And do you think the OPI is a good measure? Uh, it doesn't have to be the OPI. You can use can-do statements. I mean, you don't. I mean, OPI takes a lot of time and stuff. But there's other things you can do um, to provide some kind of assessment for your students. But anyway, that, that's where I would start. Is have that conversation about let's let's. What are our goals in terms of proficiency guidelines? Where do we want them to be? What do we want them to be able to do and work backwards and see what we can establish along the way um, and mm-hmm. what makes sense. And you'd be surprised because after four years of high school, if you can get them to intermediate mid, you're doing really well, right? Um, and so that means then, why are you doing all this correcting when at intermediate mid, we know they're making the errors right and left? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, right. if you want to use the term errors. So anyway, all right. I mean, at intermediate mid, they're naturally making errors right and left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, yeah. whether we corrected them or not. Right. That's just the nature of being intermediate mid. Um, uh-huh. Okay, Angie, I got to let you go because um, we're going to call you back a little later um, to do the quiz. Um, uh, Dustin will call you back at some point if... if um, uh, if uh, the time allows, which I think it will. Um, and we're going to move on to some other questions. I hope you don't mind. But thank, thank you. No, not at all. Thanks for calling in and uh, have fun with all your upcoming uh, political stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be yeah, fun. Go, Bernie. Oh, there you go. All right. Okay. <laughs> See you later. Okay. Bye. Bye bye, Angie. Bye, Angie. That was nice. That was really nice. It's nice that she had a day off that she could call. I like mm-hmm. that. I'm glad for teachers who can take a little time off. How about some questions from Mixler or Twitter? I know that things are just like uh, there's lots of stuff coming in. Well, I've got uh, an email question. Okay. And uh, it has a, it's a very similar question to what we just heard from Angie, actually. And so this is an email question from Amber. And Amber says... Amber and Angie, I can't keep it straight. Too many, <laughs> too many names beginning with ah. Amber says, I'm a middle school Spanish teacher. I've just found your your talk show, Tea with BVP, and have been listening nonstop. Well, as much as I can being a full-time teacher and mom of two toddlers. Oh, go, Amber. That's a lot of work Mm. on her hands. Good for her. Good for her. So here's what she wants to know. Very similar. She says, I only see my students approximately three times a week for 40 minutes. How does time spent with the students affect teaching style? So that's the first question. When she says teaching style, you know what she means? I, my interpretation of the question is, okay, how am I going to teach if I really only have them 30 minutes, or sorry, 40 minutes, three times a week, I want to get them to a certain point, so is, it gonna, is that going to change how I teach? No, basically? it's not. You still, you just have them 30, you just have them for less time than if you had them five days a week, just which is less time if you goals, had them maybe. 10, yeah. So maybe by the end of two years, you can't get to a certain level, you just drop it down and say, well, this is the level I'm going to get them to. Um, the, the time is always against us, and we can't... There's no shortcuts, Amber. There, uh, if everybody out, there's no shortcuts. I mean, acquisition involves very basic things. And those don't go away 
we can't sweep them under the rug, as it were, um, because we have time constraints. That's just, you know, if, if our goal is acquisition and proficiency, we just can't. Um, we just have to acknowledge that there's time constraints and we reset our goals um, to reflect those time constraints. Well, she, co she goes on, and this is how it connects with what Angie was saying. She says, I teach Spanish one. The teachers at higher levels are practice professionals at explicit grammar and vocabulary instruction. Our students perform well on the AP exam, so I certainly do not mean to question their methods. The students excel at language learning. However, if I change my teaching style to focus on comprehensible in input and in hopes language acquisition, how can I assure them that I am providing the students with a solid foundation that will serve my students well in higher level classes? And if we follow a textbook series, how do I use the book and still focus on language acquisition as opposed to learning? Um, Amber, there's you can't. You, you can't you, it's you can't have your cake and eat it too. And I'm looking at these wonderful birthday cupcakes that Angelica brought in, by the way. <laughs> um, and and that, that's what it is, Amber. When, when people want, they say, well, we want to have this and we want to have that. Sometimes you can't have both. Make up your mind, not you, Amber, but let's all make up our minds what it is we want and do that. It's got to be one or the other. If you try to mix the two, you're going to have neither fish nor fowl. Or you're going to have half-ass this or half-ass that, if I can say it that way. Um, and, and again, that's a problem we're all faced with. I'm not saying anything that we all haven't confronted. I confront that here. Um, it, Dustin's confronted that in his, his teaching, and, and we've all confronted that, right? Walter, you confronted mm -hmm. that when you were teaching high school before you came here. Um, and so um, we all, you know, that's just the reality. So we have to sit down, like I, I was telling Angie, and work out what our goals are and all have a common set of goals and not say one set of goals for this and one set of goals for that um, or try to have some hybrid because those hybrid goals don't work very well either. Um, and if I could, I'm going to say this, people are going to hate me, but if I could get rid of the AP, I would. There, I just said it. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> oh, indeed. Ooh, I'm going to get calls. I'm going to get calls from the, uh, from the, uh, college, college office board, about that. Yeah. I know okay. I'm going to hear, <laughs> I'm going to get calls from my dean's office saying, what did you just say about AP? <laughs> you know, I'm saying that facetiously. Please don't, don't call in and, and tweet me to death on this. Um, what I simply mean is that, Standardized testing like the AP, the Spanish National Exam, the French National Exam, all these things create obstacles for the development of proficiency and the development of acquisition in the sense that those tests become the goal as opposed to something else that's defined as proficiency. And so we need to, we need to figure out how we're going to work around and juggle these, these different competing interests and competing things. All right, um, I think there's something going on with the phone, so we're gonna go ahead and look at, um, oh, here's one that, that was came in on the Twitter sphere. Um, this is from Chris. Um, this is just a comment, and so I'll just read the comment. And Chris says two things. He says, I have never seen evidence that conscious feedback in the form of instruction, correcting students, and so on, helps acquisition. Um, and I'm thinking what he means by he's never seen evidence is he's not talking about reading evidence in literature. I think he means in his own teaching. Mm -hmm. yep. and, yeah, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, which I think a lot of us, if we really reflect, would probably say the same thing. Um, then he says, uh, second point he wants to make is that on the flip side is there is a lot of evidence, however, that processing input or processing comprehensible input is the only way to really acquire a language. Um, and, and it's a very strong statement he's making. I wouldn't necessarily disagree with it. Um, I would I would phrase it a little bit differently, but yeah, I would sort of say yeah. Um, and but again, my colleagues, 
um, my, my colleagues who actually work in the field of, of um, feedback would probably push me a little bit more and say, no, Bill, we have stronger evidence that's beneficial. Uh, and I'll let them call in and, or send me an, an, uh, a message and we can talk about that. Okay, I think we have another call coming in. Um, we have um, Jason from sunny California, my home state. Did you all know I'm from California? Mm -hmm. You know that, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Although, Jason, you have to tell me where you're calling from in California. How are you doing, Jason? I'm doing well, thank you. Laguna Beach. Ah, Laguna mm. Beach. That's all right. I still like you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, from San, well, I, I'm from San Francisco. Yeah, you, so. Where it's rarely sunny. Yeah, where it's rarely sunny, but it's where all the cool people are. <laughs> I know. Every time I'm up there, I think I should live in San Francisco, and then I'm so cold. I have to run back to Southern California and warm up. Oh, have you ever heard of a sweater? <laughs> <laughs> Jason, we all I grew up. Not only, not only was I wearing a sweater and a coat and gloves and <laughs> scarves, there was someone, a, a, a woman in the Mission District selling tights on the street, and it was so cold my friends and I, we, we, we walked a block further and we stopped and laughed and ran back and bought tights <laughs> to put them on. It was so cold. We wore tights underneath our jeans. Nice. We were freezing. Well, what time of year was this? Never, I don't remember being that cold in the city growing up. This was, uh, we were there for New Year's. Oh, well, yeah, New Year's everywhere is cold. My gosh. <laughs> well, not yeah. in Laguna Beach. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, it's, not in Laguna Beach. You no. get spoiled. So I don't really have a question, but I have a, a, a comment that I think maybe relates to your topic. Well, Jason, um, we love comments as much as we love questions. So what's your comment? Um, well, it, it involves recast. Okay. And, um, well, I guess the, my question would be, do you consider recasts as corrective feedback? Um, here's... I have a problem with the term corrective feedback. I don't like the term corrective because when you're engaged in communication with someone, right, right, right. whether it's a native speaker or a non-native speaker, and you do things to facilitate the flow of information, which recasts exist both in first language interactions and in second language acquisition, then it's hard to call re recasts or anything that you do in an interaction as corrective, as corrective. So... Um, so, um, did we lose Jason? Oh, I we're think we did. Uh oh. Um, okay, I, we will. We will. What we're going to do is get Jason back on the phone. Um, let's see. He, if he was calling from San Francisco, <laughs> we would not have lost that phone call. It's because he's, he's calling from Laguna Beach. Well, who knows? They probably have cell towers like every 832 miles, whereas San Francisco, they're on every hill. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but, uh, you know, I have to admit though that it, it gets chilly sometimes in San Francisco, but that, but it's about wearing, buying tights on the street. That's a little extreme. Of course it is new. I saw, by the way, my favorite story about New Year's in, in San Francisco, you want to know what it was? I won't tell you who, but it was a date I went with on New Year's Eve. You know what we went and saw? What? The Exorcist. We lined up on the streets. We went. We went and saw The Exorcist, and Jason is correct. I was, I was in, with a scarf around my neck because <laughs> uh, we had to stand in line. We, we couldn't get until the one a.m. showing because that's that was back, you know, in those days when when the movies were first having blockbusters where people would line up to see them. Anyway, keep calling in on BVP's age that he's turning. <laughs> well, I think Jason's back actually. Yeah, I think Jason's back. Jason, you there? I am here. Okay, Jason. 
So sorry about that. I don't know what happened with the phone call. But anyway, so what we were saying was that, I, what I was saying was that um, I don't like to call interactive stuff between people corrective because sometimes it's just there to facilitate communication. Um, so um, we call it corrective feedback from a research perspective because we, we're hoping it does something for their inner language development. Um, so my answer to your question is, do I consider recast corrective feedback? I personally do not, um, but other people would. Um, so well, here, here's my story on, on recast, because okay. it seems like everything that I was reading, it seemed conflicted. Jason, let me just interrupt you for a minute. Um, for those out there in the audience listening, and for those who are going to listen on the, in the, on the treadmill this weekend in the gym, which we actually have people who write to us to tell us they do that. Um, let's just tell everybody what, out there what recasts are. Recasts are reformulations of what someone says. Um, so a learner might say something like, "Oh, I like that uh, uh, that little that little cakey," and I'll say, "You like the cupcake?" Like that, which is actually a comprehension check um, or a clarification check, but it's also kind of a recast because you're rephrasing that little cakey thing as a you know, cupcake. Um, a, a direct recast would just be. You like the cupcake, period. You're just saying it as a statement. So that recast is rephrasing what the person says in a more native-like way. But go ahead. Now we know what recast is. So um, I, since I've been, I was kind of confused on should I do this, should I not do it, um, I, I, I decided to go with what the students thought. So it's not really, I guess, action research, but it was kind of my own version. And um, I would make a note when I would do a recast of maybe a, a student name or the phrase or something so I would remember just really um, so I could talk to that student at the end of the class and I just did a little informal survey over a week and I this was when I was teaching high school and um, in communication like what did you do over the weekend where did you go you know if I did a recast then I would try to remember to ask that student on the way out of class, one-on-one, -on -one, hey, you may have noticed that um, when we were talking, you said something and I responded with this. How did that make you feel? Um, you know, did you, did you notice what I was doing? You know, and almost every single student had a negative response. Like, like, um, like maybe they felt that I was drawing attention to the fact that they've made a mistake, even though I was trying to do it in a very communicative, low-key kind of way. And I'll never forget one student um, who I went on to have for, I think, three years. She was a really good student. She, her comment really stuck in my head. She said, I noticed that I made the mistake as soon as it came out of my mouth. And I knew you were trying to be nice about it, but it made me embarrassed because it, it got everyone else to notice that I'd made a mistake as well. Um, I thought that was really uh, powerful. So I, I try to recast less, <laughs> but it's something that I think I've built into my repertoire and I have to really, I, I struggle with, I still struggle with it today. Is it helpful? Is it not? Should I? Should I not? Yeah, well, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a natural thing for teachers to try to correct in some way. I mean, that's, that's what teachers are supposed to do, right? Supposedly. Um, and so I can see why you struggle with it because you're trying to find some way to provide feedback because it's in the, it's in the DNA of teachers to provide feedback. 
Um, but it's interesting what you're saying about your students because there is actually some research on feedback, particularly recasts, that have looked have asked students from their point of view what their reactions are to recasts. And it's interesting you say that because the the studies that are salient in my mind that that I remember are the ones where their students either don't even know that they're being corrected and have ignored the recast. They just think the teacher's talking. You're like, blah, 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 right? Um, and the other is that students have a negative perception of the recast. They think it's interruptive, and they think it's some, I think rude was one of the things that I remember that came out mm -hmm. as a, a descriptor from some of the students about recasts. So, um, so there's something to your own you know, little self mini study that you've done um, that I think is borne out in the general research. Again, the experts out there in recast and can call in and, and let me know about that research. But those, those are uh, there's a couple studies that I remember um, that talk about that. There may be other ones that I've looked at because most recasts are, are laboratory studies where you just look at pre-post tests, you look at uptake, as I was talking earlier, and so on. But very seldom do they look at the student's point of view or the learner's point of view on their perceptions of what recasts do and and what recasts are. So the, the few that are, the, the, again, those two salient ones stick out in my mind. So I, I think you're probably onto something there, Jason. Well, I, I just wonder if it makes them maybe less, um, less focused on, on, on the, the communicative, the, I guess you call it the communicative event, the moment where we're, we're exchanging important information, if it takes them out of that somehow and causes them to kind of analyze the process, it, does it make them less, you know, does it raise the effective filter? Does it make them less um, available to input? And if so, then it seems like, I'm, you know, we are kind of working against ourselves. I've tried to do it a lot less, but occasionally I find myself doing it. And now that I teach elementary, I think it, I don't think they notice it nearly as much. Probably, probably. But I think for, for high school kids, I think it was really um, an issue and something I, I really had to make a con an effort to not do. I'm going to I'm going to give you a, a, a piece of advice here, and then I gotta um, go to the next caller. But Jason, here's an idea: videotape a couple of your classes and then watch them afterwards, and just see for yourself actually how much you're doing it. And then uh, yeah, I, I I wish I could. Unfortunately, in, in w with elementary, I can, but I, I I wish I'd done that with the high school. Yeah, yeah. Um, the yeah. high school classes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because some you might be you're not you might not be doing as much as you think you are, or maybe you are. So you'll 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 know when you see it. Yeah. Okay, I've got to run, Thank Jason. Okay, thanks for calling in. You have a great day. Thank you. Okay, you too. Bye, 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 Jason. Bye, Jason. Oh, love that. He's love people are doing some self reflection and and sort of using their own stuff. I have a um, quick question here from Grant from Mixler. So he says, if the teacher says, "How did you go to school today?" and the student says, "I run to school." And then the teacher says, class, she ran to school today. The question is, is this also a recast? Um, yeah, it's a kind of recast, yeah. That's exactly what it is. Excellent. Well, there you go. <laughs> and I have, a I have a, an email here from an irate listener, a very loyal listener is named Carol. Carol. <laughs> and she says, number one, you didn't tell me I had to call in to reserve the quiz. Sheesh. She says, with a, with a not happy face. <laughs> and then she says, define feedback. To me, feedback could be a range of input. Reconfirmation, recast suggestions to help students communicate more accurately. I often can tell what my students are trying to say, but just don't have yet, yet have the skills to succeed. So what's your definition of feedback, BVP? 
What's my definition of feedback? Yeah, that's mm-hmm. the question. No, I, it's not my definition of feedback. It's the field's definition of feedback. It's any time another interlocutor um, provides the learner with evidence that he or she did something that was not native-like. That's what feedback is. It could be part of a communicative interaction. It could be part of an actual overt correction. It could be when you're writing something and I circle it. Um, it, it could be a variety of things. But it's any time that another interlocutor or listener or reader provides some indication that you did something non-native-like. However they do it. However they do it. Okay. Uh, we end with a call on the phone. So we're going to move away from Mixler and, and, and our little computers to Lance. Hey, is this Lance? Lance Bass from, from NC? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> is this Lance from Massachusetts? It is. The, yeah. Oh. Remember me? Yeah. Well, sort of I do, Lance. Our, f- our first number one fan uh-huh. who's yeah. no longer yeah. number one fan yeah. because he never calls us anymore. And he ne- right. no. yeah. Emma yeah. took my place entirely. <laughs> yeah, she did. And then, Man. you know, it all went downhill from there. <laughs> so how you doing, Lance? I'm good. I'm actually calling from California right now. Just what? wanted to say. Are you are you visiting Jason? Yeah. He just called us from Laguna Beach. <laughs> oh no, I'm in the Bay. Oh, all right. I love you already. <laughs> right. Where, where where are you? What city? I'm are you? in Berkeley. Oh, Berkeley's good. Berkeley's good. Yeah. Yeah. I almost went there. I had offers from Berkeley, Stanford, Santa Clara, and UCLA. I went to Santa Clara because they gave me the most money. So that I, makes sense. I wound up leaving school with one of the few people who le- left school with money rather than owing money. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, so I've never heard of that actually. But Berkeley was nice. It was high up on my list. Anyway, so what's up? What are you calling well, about? Well, um, I wanted to call in at this point. It seems a little late, but there was a comment um, when someone was talking about uh, goals. All right, and, and I think you said, "Well, change your goal." Uh, I actually had a job not recently, but a few years ago, and the department head actually said, "Look, we don't have the time in school to really teach for acquisition." Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you got to change, and we got to follow the grammar syllabus and go through the textbook. And I was just like, "Damn it, you know, all right, fine, but <laughs> like that—that's not a very cool place to be in." Because at this point, I really don't like teaching that way. Mm-hmm. It's—I I mean, I would rather. Well, there are many things I'd rather be doing than that, and I feel like I can't. I'm going to use a, a comment that Eric made once and he said you can't unlearn something and you can't unexperience something and i've experienced too much to go back to that way of teaching mm-hmm. at this point so right. I, I feel the people who are in the situation of someone else determining your program goals um i think i think lance you're raising a very good point some other people have in the past as well and it's related to this idea of feedback too because why do we re- want to provide feedback because we think we're trying to overtly teach people something. Um, right. But again, I'm gonna, I feel like I beat a dead horse, but you know, hey, sometimes a dead horse needs to be beat a little bit in the situation. That's a terrible metaphor, isn't it? But anyway. It is. But anyway, so I'll beat the, I'll beat the hot dog. So there's a hot dog on my table and I'm beating <laughs> it. There we go, that's Wait, a better metaphor. Bill, that's not better. <laughs> it is, I hate hot dogs. I They're, do not think that's a better. Uh, hot dogs uh, no, are yeah. awful vile things, and so why not beat a hot dog? Um, okay, fine. I mean, think about them. They got rats' tails in them and bits of cockroaches and things. Who knows whether it's a hot dog? <laughs> anyway, so, um, so I'm, I'll, be, I'll beat the hot dog <laughs> to death here, um, and, and say that um, the if you do not want to have proficiency in acquisition as some kind of outcome, then you need to tell me what the purpose 
of a language requirement or taking a language is. Because if you think it's to improve your intellectual abilities, then take a course on linguistics instead. If you think it's for something, that, then you need to tell me what it is because if it's not about learning the language in the way we normally talk about it, then I need to know what that is because I don't understand that. Neither do I. So there. So that's the discussion we need to be having in a broader. So maybe we'll wow. make that a topic for a future show. How's that sound? Cool. All right. Well, um, have a great rest of the show. Well, thanks. Thanks for calling in. And thanks for calling in enjoy, again, how long, how, how long are you going to be out in Berkeley, Lance? Oh, just through the weekend. Just through the weekend? Okay. Well, say hi to my peeps out there. I haven't been out to the Bay Area in a while. All my family. I'll just walk down the street. <laughs> yeah. I'll walk by Pete's and say, hey, Bill Van Patten says hi. Yeah, there you go. There'll be a few people. <laughs> <Yeah>. there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lance. Well, All right. appreciate calling in. Stay in touch. Will do. Bye. Okay. Bye, Bye Lance. Bye-bye. Um, okay. I'm sorry, Emma, but I like Lance again, so... <laughs> Emma, you're going to have to go to the Bay Area and call for you to recoup, oh, there you go. recoup your number one status. Lance is now the number one person, right? <laughs> oh, gosh. Two, wasn't he number one A or something like that? Wasn't that something? Yeah, yeah. there was an A number and a B, one B, I think. Uh, by the way here, um, whatever happened to... Did, did you all see the Walter for President photo that got posted? Oh, boy. From, did we? From Darren? Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Darren is Walter's number one <laughs> fan. You've got a number one fan of your own there, Darren. Not just for the show, but for Apparently. you. Apparently. I love that photo. He put, he sh- I don't know if you all saw this, but he, he photoshopped, Darren photoshopped Walter's face onto some presidential or political candidate and actually put at the bottom, Walter for president. It was, it was great. I loved it. I'm afraid there's three more on Twitter. All right. Oh, my. Right, I love it. We're going we're gonna to put those on our website. We're going to actually... Um, maybe I can write you. I'm gonna. I'm gonna write you in on the Michigan ballot. How's that? I'm gonna do a write-in thing for, um, for that. Well, speaking of Darren, I think that's the same Darren. He sent us a tweet. He just basically says, <laughs> "I love his statement. Nah, we don't need to correct students. <laughs> Great. Perhaps just recast what they said in the proper way. But then again, I don't know much. I'm just a Spanish teacher. He always likes to say that. But well, Darren, I would argue with you about perhaps just recast. Maybe." Maybe just recast, but again, we don't know what recasts do. And Lance just told us that he had some negative reactions from students. Um, so <clears throat> I think we're trying to get Angie back on the phone for the SLA quiz. Angie, are you there? I'm here. Oh, you're back. <laughs> you didn't uh, you didn't run off to the grocery store to the gym and leave us behind. Good for you. No, oh, great. I made some chocolate chip cookie dough in the meantime. Nice. Oh, nice. Can you send good some way to, to us, prepare. Please? There you I go. Like it. <laughs> Well, you can munch on that in the background. So what's your, cho- what's your choice? Are you going to take the SLA quiz or are you going to take the, the Diva quiz? Which is your choice? I think I better go with the SLA quiz because, well, I don't know. If Carol wants to do the SLA quiz, then maybe I could try the D- Diva quiz. Well, we have time. We might have time for both, but maybe not. We'll see. So Honestly, I'm not going to know the Diva quiz. Okay. Well, <laughs> then, then do the, do the, I'll, give, I'll give Walter the Diva quiz in here in a minute oh, if, we, if no. we have time. Okay. Walter David, want the me and Walter, quiz. we could get one out of the three. <laughs> okay, here we go. Here we go. And all of the uh, SLA Challenge quiz questions today deal with, guess what topic? Error correction. Feedback. Exactly. Feedback. Okay, so question number one. Are you ready? And you know right. what the rules are. Get two correct, you get a prize. Get all three correct, you get a super prize. Okay? All right, so number one, research on feedback in classrooms has found feedback to be... A, highly frequent and consistent. B, variable in frequency and inconsistent. C, stable and largely consistent. 
D, nutty in flavor and full of fiber. <laughs> <laughs> so you're talking about teachers here. Yeah, research on feedback in classrooms has found research has found feedback to be. Well, I'm going to go on my knowledge of teachers more than my knowledge of research and say that may be inconsistent and and variable in frequency. Ding 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 ding. There you go. Okay, Angie's on her way. Okay, question number two, Angie. Ready? Ready. In non-classroom environments, so take your teacher hat off here. In non-classroom environments. What tends to be the focus of feedback from native speakers when they interact with language learners? A, pronunciation. B, grammar. C, vocabulary. D, choice of shoes with outfit. <laughs> I'm glad I make you laugh, Angie. <laughs> <laughs> we don't um, laugh anymore, Angie, because it's... I usually know, do so I've well in these old. quizzes, but now I'm in a, I guess I'm in a realm where I have to take a guess, but... Um, let's see, so you're chatting with somebody, they make a non-native like statement, and you, are you most likely to correct them if it's grammar, vocabulary, or... Pronunciation. Or, or pronunciation. Well, the choice ah. of shoes without it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that goes, well. Hmm. Okay, come on, Angie. Vocabulary? See? Ding, 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 ding. Yeah, good for you. excellent. Good. So you put your thinking cap on. There you go. Well, she made two. She's got, I'm intuiting these. She's, 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 well, you've got good intuition. Um, <laughs> yes, that's actually true. The research has shown, at least the research I'm familiar with, shows that most native speaker interactions with language learners. They don't care about your grammar. They focus on content. Only yeah. Pronunciation they don't focus on so much as it, it, except when they think you, what you're saying is this other word rather than that word, like like right. uh, yeah. uh, like lettuce as opposed to radish. If you can't say either one of those <laughs> words right, then they're going to go, what are you saying here, lettuce or radish? Okay, so third question. Wait, did you say beach? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, third question for the Big Daddy Prize. Here we go. In juxtaposition to comprehensible and meaning-bearing input, corrective feedback is also known as A, negative evidence, B, incomprehensible input. C, explicit processing. D, Sister Mary George's favorite pastime. Who's Sister Mary George? Oh, none I had in school when I was young. (laughs) 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 She loved loved to correct us. She had a big old correcting thing on the desk there. Mm -hmm. Did we just lose Angie? Angie, we dropped you. Oh, my goodness. We lost Angie. Oh, no. Angie. Uh-oh. All right. We lost Angie. We don't have him there. So you guys can uh, post responses on Mixler or tweet them to us, and then, uh, and then we will see what happens. Um, because I'll, re- I'll read the question again for those of you out there. It said um, question number three was, in juxtaposition to comprehensible and meaning-bearing input, corrective feedback is also known as A, negative evidence, B, incomprehensible input, C, explicit processing, or back to my favorite nun, Sister Mary George's favorite pastime. So I don't know if we can wait for Angie to get back on the phone. Should we just answer that for her? If well, let's I, leave it out there and see if we can get her back and we can... Well, we, the clock is ticking here, Walter. You know, I'm, I'm not getting ticking. any younger, you know. Tomorrow's my birthday. I'm ready. <laughs> you know, I'm a year away from Depends, right? This point, so. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so, okay, well, we lost Angie. So what we're going to do is have Walter give the correct 
answer. And then uh, we will let Angie take credit for that. So Walter, in juxtaposition to comprehensible and meaning-bearing input, corrective feedback is also known as A, negative evidence, B, incomprehensible input, C, explicit processing, or D, Sister Mary George's favorite pastime. Well, I think uh, I was hoping that maybe some of our Mixler pals would uh, write something here, <clears throat> but I'm going to go with A. <laughs> you, have to, you have to recast it. Say that, it again. Um, negative evidence. Negative evidence. Ding, 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 ding. Oh, okay. yeah. So Angie's, Angie's uh, substitute there did her proud, and so Angie's going to get a nice set of fur coasters. So I guess, Dustin, you're going to have to did try to fur track. Fur coasters? Four coasters. Oh, four, four coasters. coasters. <laughs> My God, those headphones. That would be Those headphones are too tight on you, Walter. Let me tell you. So well, I know you like your fur coats, so uh, you know, I thought I maybe do, fur coats. Especially here in Michigan. Um, you know, I trap them myself. That's why there's so no beavers around my house anymore. Right, right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so Dustin's going to have to track uh, Angie down and get her information so we can send her her wonderful set of coasters to keep her tabletops and desktops clean and free of coffee and tea rings. So I have a quick question. What are you going to do for your birthday? Nothing. I never do anything. I have no, oh, so please. I have no social life. I have nothing happens outside. My life is going to work, going to tea with VVP, going to the gym. That's it. And walking my dog, of course, and playing with my dog. That's it. That's my life. That's it. I don't dress up in diapers and go target practicing on Valentine's Day like some people. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> likes me. Everybody hates me. I guess I'll go eat worms. <laughs> oh. What? <laughs> oh, oh, my. You don't know that song? It's a good thing you don't drink coffee. Can you imagine him on caffeine? Right. I mean, it's a good thing you didn't eat one of the cupcakes. Can my you imagine him on sugar? Oh, my Ooh, gosh. I want a cupcake. Yeah, I'm we'll ready. get you a cupcake in a minute. Let's we'll get, get off the air so I can eat a cupcake. Well, speaking of getting off the air, we're getting <laughs> to that time. I'm so glad we had this time together. All right. Together. Well, we're going to wrap up here, people, because um, it's going to be that time. We only have like three minutes left. So i got to start doing the acknowledgments on Gallagher mm -hmm. and Walter or we're going to run Indeed. out. We have so many acknowledgments. I forgot to give it a shout-out, by the way, because I'm trying to earn hearts from my fitness groups. So I'm giving a shout-out to my peeps at Fitness Together because um, – this is Heart Month. Do you know February is Heart Month? Oh. And so um, we are. I'm giving them a shout out because I'll get extra hearts to go on my little chart to show nice. them where of Heart Month. Anyway, so love fitness together. That's not an endorsement, except that I just love them. Uh, it is an endorsement from me, but not from us. So. Anyway, um, so we want to uh, remind you all to send your colleagues, friends, and students to TVWithBBBit.TV with T, blah, 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 111th. I can't, I can't talk. <laughs> TVWithBBP.com. Thank you. And have them sign up for our weekly newsletter. Be like Dennis Maloney there and, and win a prize. We're aiming for 2000 now. We can get there. We want to thank our technical producer, Daniel Trago, who works all those magic buttons. Our media producer, Luca Giappone. Watch out for uh, Twitter tomorrow. He's going to have a surprise up for you all. Um, the talented and trusted call handler, Dustin DeFelice. Not his fault that calls dropped today. It's just not his fault, so don't blame him. Our wonderful assistant production manager, Jeff Maloney. No relationship to um, Dennis in Ecuador, who won the 1,111th subscriber <laughs> prize. Um, our most excellent intern, Emma Dunn, who uh, was in and out today, So, uh, but we thank her for all her excellent work. The Center for Language Teaching Advancement, a.k.a. CELTA, represented by the lovely and beautiful who? Angelica. Angelica. Music is starting too soon, but that's okay. The College <laughs> of Arts and Letters at Michigan State University. 
As a reminder, the ideas and opinions expressed in this program do not reflect those of the Center for Language Teaching Advancement, the College of Arts and Letters, any of our sponsors, or any other official entity of Michigan State University. And of course, thanks to all of you out there. We'll be back next week. Join us at 3 o'clock on Thursday when we will talk about is native-likeness even possible? Should being native-like be a goal of learning and teaching? Until then, have a great weekend. Remember to hug your dog. Happy second language acquisition to all. And happy birthday to me. Yay, Yay. happy birthday. Bye, everybody. Bye. Auf Wiedersehen. Bye.